You're listening to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast, a product of the Oregon Basketball Coaches Association. To learn more, visit our website at or.nhsbca.org. Welcome to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. I'm Derek Duman, OBCA Vice President and Boys Basketball Coach at West Albany High School. Today, I'm joined by Danielle Blando, girls basketball coach at Willamette High School. Coach, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Thanks for uh, taking the time to, to chat with us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Oh, I want to start uh, by asking you to share a little bit about your, your basketball journey, uh, kind of what got you involved in the game, what got you involved in coaching, and and what brought you uh, to be the head girls coach at Willamette High School? Uh, yeah, okay. So I um, actually went to Willamette High School, uh, graduated in 2007, had a pretty fun high school career there, um, and then had the opportunity to play at Western Oregon. So uh went there, played there for four years. Um, well, played there for two years. I kind of rode the bench my first two years. Um Graduated in uh, 2012. I had a, uh, a couple extra classes left to take, so uh, my coach, uh, Greg Bruce, he asked me if I wanted to come be an assistant um, and pay for my school, and I was like, uh, jackpot, yeah, I'm going to do that. <laughs> um, so I, I coached there for a season. He was just like a stat taker. I was I actually got to go to Hawaii on a trip that they went there, so that was pretty mm. cool as, as a coach. Um, and then once I officially graduated, um, I moved back to Eugene. Uh wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. I thought, you know, I would move up to Portland. That didn't end up happening. So moved back to Eugene, reached out to Paul Brothers, my high school coach, one of them, um, and asked if he needed some help. And he said, uh, yeah, you know, come come be our freshman, or we called it JV2, JV2 coach. I did that for a couple of years. Um, and then actually when uh, – Paul Brothers, Lance Hawes, and they uh, resigned, retired, whatever you want to call it, um, left. <laughs> um, I, I applied for the job. I didn't get it that first year. Uh, Chris Stewart, who actually was the Churchill girls coach for quite a while, uh, he had the job for a year, um, and then he didn't come back the second year, and then I was interim, um, and then I just kind of took the job from there. There you go. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Can you talk maybe a little bit, obviously, you know, you were kind of a student assistant at Western Oregon, but mm-hmm. what was kind of the difference between, you know, being a coach at, at the collegiate level versus, you know, being a coach at the high school level? Yeah, well, there's, I mean, obviously a lot more involved with the travel and, you know, the conference that we were in. Um, it Honestly, it was pretty tough to be a, a coach when I was a coach of teammates, which, mm-hmm. you know, I played with them the year before. And, um, right. you know, then I was being their coach next year. I'm like, you got to listen to what I say. <laughs> um, so that was a little bit difficult. But, you know, there is a, a difference in, like, collegiate level to high school level of, you know, when practices are, how much more you practice in college, um, kind of that commitment level. Um, but being a high school head coach, I mean, I definitely have a lot more responsibility, um, you know, just trying to make sure everything is functioning well and working with all the, the pieces that are going on at once. So it's different, but it's still, you know, a lot of your a lot of your time and effort. For sure. Now you have the opportunity to coach at your alma mater, which is which is pretty cool. 
what what has that experience been like? And maybe what are some of the positives and, and negatives that go along with, with coaching at your alma mater? Yeah, I mean, it's great. I couldn't see myself coaching anywhere else. I was super excited. I, I got the opportunity to be back at Willamette. Um, you know, nothing negative has ever happened. I mean, I think coaches everywhere deal with the struggles of, you know, the balance of, you know, kids and school and the parents and, you know, all that fun type of stuff. Um, but I, I am glad that I kind of have some people, you know, know, know my name or know who I was. And it's nice to kind of have that, um, I don't know, backing is the right word, but that reputation that, you know, they knew who I was a high school player. So maybe I have a little credibility as, as being a coach and running the program. <laughs> yeah. Do you think those, you know, connections, that familiarity helps you with, you know, maybe your youth program or, or stuff like that? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, so when I first came in, I was actually like the youth coordinator, worked as TRBO, uh, kids sports a little bit, um, just trying to build up that youth program because, you know, it's kind of tough in Eugene. We don't have, you know, it's not like this is the Willamette youth program. It's like, you know, the Cascade, Meadowview, Shasta. They all had their own team, so I was just really trying to bring it all bring it all together. And then now I have A.D. Smith, um, who has daughters, thankfully. <laughs> so he's been kind of running the show for our for our youth program, and it's been it's been really great. The kids that have been coming through lately. Yeah, another another guy with name recognition in Eugene, right? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Played for the U of O in the in the late nineties. So. Mm-hmm. Um. I was going to ask you, too, you know, you got to play at Willamette um, with, the, you know, people that have been around a little bit, the, the three-head coaches, as it were, the three-headed monster um, <laughs> of uh, yeah. Paul Brothers, uh, Terry Harrison, and, and Lance Haas. Um, and you get an opportunity now, being in Churchill's League, which is where Terry Harrison is now, to kind of coach against one of your former coaches. What is that experience like? Uh, it's funny. I mean, I guess that's the best way to describe it. You know, when I go in there, he like puts his arm around me, gives me like a, like a nookie or something like that. So it's just, you know, I really, really, really want to beat him, but his teams Mm -hmm. have been outrageous the last few years and he's a great coach. So, um, you know, I think a couple of times in the first half, we've given him a scare and then he comes out, you know, guns ablaze. And then the second half, I'm like, dang it. We almost had them. <laughs> um, but it's fun. It's funny. Um, you know, I'll talk a little smack to them every now and then, but it's, mm-hmm. it's all, it's all good. Right. Do yeah. you, do you have like a, a play or something that maybe you guys ran in high school that you try to get on him when you guys play them or anything like that? Any sneaky things? Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know if we do super sneaky things like that, but we do still run some of the same plays that he ran with us at Willamette. So we have an out of bounds play called Kennedy. Uh, and he still runs it, but he calls it Jefferson now. So it's just kind of mm. <laughs> silly little things like that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I'm curious too, you know, so I grew up in Eugene also. Um, okay. And I always thought it was strange, um, you know, to have three head coaches. Yeah. I'm kind of, you know, like, what was it, what was it like to play for, for three head coaches and how did that dynamic work? So actually when I was in high school, I think it was my senior year that they like officially became like the three co 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 head coaches or whatever they called it. Mm-hmm. Um, and after I left, I think is more when, you know, it was all three of them. And then, cause at first it was just Paul and Terry 
and then Lance was JV coach. So when I was a freshman, Lance mm. was my JV coach. So I think Lance has slowly moved up, and he is, I don't know, he just sees things that other people don't. So I think, you know, Paul and Terry made that decision to just be like, hey, we need you at the varsity level. We want you to be up here kind of thing. So I think it's uh, uh, unorthodox, <laughs> but, um, you know, it works for the years mm-hmm. after me with all the state championships that they won. So something was working, and then and then right. it didn't, and then, you know, ran its course kind of thing. Right. Yeah, you had a lot of success, obviously, as a high school basketball player. Uh, you guys won the state title your senior year, uh, and I believe you were first-team all-tournament, possibly a player of the year in the state, if I if I did my research yeah. well enough. Um, I was, yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. I mean, here we are so yeah, many thanks. years later. And you're still, <laughs> still getting I'll the take, love. I'll still uh, take it. <laughs> right. Um, how do you use kind of that success? To help you in your coaching with your kids? Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't mention it that often. Mm-hmm. I mean, we in in our gym we have like the, the brackets from the state tournament. Um, you know, I think that's a, a cool reminder for the for the kids to come in and be like, you know, we're a part of a program that has had so much success and um I think just trying to get us back to that point of being in the tournament consistently and um I think it's a little motivation. It's not something that I, I bring up that often. Um, I will say that one time, it was like my first or second year as the varsity head coach, the registered guard came into the story because they were like, oh, it's cool, you know, you're all modern stuff, which it is cool. Right. It's great. But um, he asked a question like, do I like point at my state championship bracket and just say like, hey, this is me, this is whatever. And I just was like, I mean, yeah, I guess I've, I've referenced that before. But then in the article he wrote, every day she walks in the gym and points at the sign. And I'm like, I never said that. <laughs> so then the kids all played a joke and they all walked in the gym and all pointed at the sign. And I was like, ha, very funny. <laughs> so, it's, you know, it's nice to have that the history of how successful the program has been and just, you know, saying we can be there again, which is obviously mm-hmm. where we're trying to get to. Right. And do you use that maybe, like, to create some buy-in? Like, hey, guys, like, I've done it here before. You know, like, I know what it takes. Yeah. You know, to build that buy-in from kids on what you're saying. Yeah. Um, Definitely, you know, I definitely try to use it as a motivator sometimes. When you're having those, I'm sure you've had this before, where it's just a tough practice. No one's, you know, nothing's clicking. Nothing is getting through to the kids. And they've ran lines already for, you know, not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And then it becomes a conversation of, hey, you know, this is a program where we've had so much success. If you guys are going to play like this, we can't get to that point again, you know. And then I, I make a reference to, you know, state championships and stuff. But, you know, that's kind of when I when I use that type of line. Right. Do you ever find it difficult as someone who was, you know, just really talented and is a good basketball player, relating to or coaching, you know, kids that maybe aren't as talented um, and maybe not as motivated in the game of, in the game of basketball? Uh, in the beginning, it was super frustrating. I was just like, why aren't you like, why isn't this your life? You know, <laughs> because if you were a good basketball player, it was like, that was your like identity basically. So I think it was hard for me as a, as a younger coach. Cause when I came in, I was like, what, 23, 24, thinking that, like, oh, all these kids care about is school and basketball, right? (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. So when I found out that, you know, some of these kids obviously have other things they worry about and stuff, um, I think it was just tough for me to 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 take myself out of it and just kind of see how their basketball experience is. Um, you know, I definitely do have those players where it's like they are, you know, every open gym, every practice, every extra practice that we have. I know they're practicing on their own, so that's great to see. Um, but honestly, I was not very good, like, as a middle school player. Um, I just kind of worked my butt off my eighth grade and eighth grade year. And then um, from there, I just kind of, you know, worked, tried to work harder than everyone else because my skills weren't, you know, like the person next to me. Um, so it is kind of difficult when I see a player kind of like me. And I'm like, hey, like, you could be that person. Um but also the game has changed so much. So like when I was in high school, it was, you know, I was a post, 5'7 post, whoop, whoop. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, they just threw it into me and I would throw something up and it went in. Um, but now I think players need to be a lot more dynamic. Um, so I think that also kind of factors into, you know, just how the game is now. Yeah. You mentioned, you know, between, you know, when you were first coaching to, to now and how that's maybe mm-hmm. changed your perspective and how you approach kids. I mean, how is it different now? Like what specifically do you think has changed since when you started to now? I think it was hard to get past the identity of I'm a basketball player um, and get into the mindset of I'm a coach. Because I think it was still, you know, because I was playing open gyms and city league and stuff, and I was like, oh, I'm still a baller, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but now now I'm to the point where it's like, I'm a coach. I want to make these kids better, of course. I want them to have a good experience, and I want them to be a good student. So I think just that mindset of the, I'm not a player anymore, I'm a coach, um, it, it was like a big transition for me, especially in that, you know, second and third year. Right. Do you ever hop in in open gyms to to humble your players at all? And you step in and and oh, teach yeah. them through action and all. So good. All right, that's good. Yeah, we'll, keep them. we'll get in there sometimes. Yeah, um, I have a, I have a pretty young staff. You know, all in our our thirties. Mm-hmm. I think AD is the the oldest, but he's in his forties. You know, so it's not like mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we have a pretty young staff, which is great, and we get in there a little bit. I mean, he's like what six eight six nine so it's not terrible to a high school player but it's still fun i think the kids enjoy it and we we beat them up a little bit so that's always fun yeah that's good that's good keep them on it yeah (laughs) uh if i were to come watch a practice what would i see and and what would i hear in the gym um so hopefully you would hear lots of talking on defense (laughs) we've been working on that a lot just because we're so young um but, you know, I'm I'm pretty vocal, um, and I, I try to make sure practice runs smoothly. Um, I, I'm pretty, you know, try to be on the dot with our time. Um, of course, sometimes we go astray. But, um, you know, we start with a, a dynamic warm-up type of thing, you know, get the legs moving, and then do like a full-court type of drill. Um, over these last couple of years, I've been really trying to work on positions, um, just because, you know, we do have some kids coming up in the program that are monsters I mean some of them are almost six feet tall which is awesome (laughs) um on the girl side um you know just trying to make sure that they're getting their position work in um and then I just try to make run through things as quickly as I can um slow down when we need to on like plays or a, a certain drill until we get it um but lots of up and down type of stuff I try not to stay in the 
the half court too much if we don't need to. Yeah. This is a tough question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. How, okay. do, how do you teach? How do you teach talking on defense? Right. I think mean, it's the eighth old question: is how yeah. do you, how do you get your kids to talk more? Um, I mean, there's the encouragement of not needing to run, <laughs> of course. Um, you know, if I don't hear your voices, you know, we're getting on the line. Um, but there's something that I started doing a couple years ago, which I don't know how I thought of it. I thought it was kind of kind of silly. Um, we do this thing called a single person shell, where they basically go through all of like the shell positions. Like, let's say they're guarding someone on the wing, um, and it's like that's their person. And then the ball gets mm-hmm. thrown around the key in like a shell drill, so they're in deny, and then they're in help, and then they're you know on ball kind of stuff. But the kids out of bounds, I say you have to compliment your teammate. <laughs> just something about him, just be like. Your hair looks great today, or I like your shoes, or you know whatever the kids say, like oh your jersey's lit or something like that. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I just you know I try to do fun little things like that, and then we when we get to game situations, hopefully that you know they think talking is fun. I don't know psychology mm-hmm. in there somehow. Um, right. But it is tough, especially for the younger kids. I mean, they're in the whole like I'm I'm too cool to talk type of thing. Um, so I think just like the motivation of, you know, not having to do more conditioning is a, is a big one. And I really put a lot of pressure on our, on our leaders just to say like, Hey, these younger kids are looking at you. If you're not talking, they're not going to talk. So you need to make sure you're the loudest in the gym. Right. So in your, your one person shell drill, you've got mm-hmm. your five people passing and the one person's going through all the positions, right? Right. And yeah. then while that's happening, you have girls on the baseline that are also talking, but they're talking yeah. in compliments. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. I just want to make it's sure. Just, it's I, kind yeah. of fun, yeah. No, I, I love it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. yeah. You might as well say something, right? You might as well say something. Yeah. That's and it's good. a quick drill, so it's like they get they go through, like, the rotation twice, and then it's the next person kind of thing. So um, right. it, it's fun, but it's, it's just kind of – oh, and while the kids are out – they're doing either like a wall sit or like a wall jump or something like that, but they still have to talk. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. Cool. I like that. I did want to follow up on one of the things you mentioned, you just about position work. Yeah. Um, which is great. Um, more and more, you know, basketball has kind of gone to more of a positionless type game. So, right. um, you know, are you kind of, I, I don't want to say old school, but like you, you have posts and wings, you know, do you kind of, switch do, do your post kids work on skill development with the wings or is it is it pretty um sectioned off based on position um i mean no we have the kids do a little bit of everything but we do like to you know with our taller kids have them work on some post moves so when they're in a game situation they know what to do um and our offense is you know kind of doing the the, the we call it flow but i think the oregon mm-hmm. women run it um, I think it's kind of like the new style, like the on-ball screen yeah. on the wing, and then it goes high-low right. type of thing. So really trying to introduce that and get our, our wing-type players, which includes point guards, um, mm-hmm. you know, into coming off that screen, being able to attack or make that pass to the post. Um, so we have them do a little bit of both. But, yes, we do kind of focus on our, our bigs being bigs and our guards being guards. Right. Or, yeah. or screeners and ball handlers and in that sort yeah. of defense. Yep. Yeah, but then, and of course we have a couple of kids that do a little bit of both because they're that, you know, three, four mm-hmm. type of position. Right. Cool. All right. We're going to take a quick break. 
We'll return with more from Coach Belando right after this on the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. The start of school means it's time to sign up or renew your Oregon Basketball Coaches Association membership. OBCA membership includes access to exclusive resources that help personalize instruction, understand players' mindsets, and maximize the impact of your practices. Members also receive access to the OBCA mentoring program and have a voice in improving the game at the state level. Membership starts at just $15 a year. Register online today at or.nhsbca.org. Welcome back to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Derek Duman here with Coach Danielle Belando. Uh, Coach, I want to talk to you about the fact that you are a a female in a very male-dominated profession. Um, I'm curious, you know, as as a younger female coach, how has that experience been for you? Do you feel like you've been treated, you know, fairly um, within our male-dominated profession? Uh, yeah, I mean, not really. Um, I mean, we're still coaching girls basketball, you know, so I, I think, uh, it's, I've actually been accepted really well. Um, cause you know, a lot of people that I coach against are people that I coached against when I, or played against when I was a player. So that's always a fun little, fun little thing to have. Um, but a lot of the, the guys have kind of like taken me under their wing. So when we were 6A, which was, super tough i think you were when you were at thurston we were six day together yeah correct like playing like south medford and (laughs) so i remember (laughs) yeah tom cole was always super nice um you know he kind of knew they were going to kick our butts (laughs) one day he was like oh where are you guys going i was like we'll probably go to in and out he goes okay good choice you know like trying not to talk about (laughs) the game too much so I was like, Correct. that was nice of him. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's been it's been good, and I think it's nice that I am coaching in my old league at my old school, mm-hmm. so people kind of recognize who I am, and um, everyone's always super friendly. I've, you know, never had anyone be a, be a jerk. I mean, maybe sometimes in the heat of the moment, but, you know, I'll probably right. do a little something right back. <laughs> um, <laughs> as far as uh, referees, uh, from at the beginning, that was a little different story. Um, you know, I think a, a couple summer games, I got a little frustrated where I felt like I was, um, kind of being talked down to because I was mm-hmm. a female and maybe I was reading into it a little bit too much. I don't know. Um, but I really tried to let that not be a factor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say probably too, you know, as you have established yourself more and more, hopefully right. it would be better and better. Um, Yeah. I, I do like that. My mom was a high school basketball coach, and so she was definitely oh, awesome. talked down to. Yeah, she was definitely talked down to or treated differently, and and uh, which was frustrating to watch. Obviously, yeah, <clears throat> it is frustrating. Not only just just a female coach, but you know, she was my mom, so that was that was always yeah, of course. Like, hey, <laughs> you know, hey man, you know, like back up. You don't talk but, to my mom um, like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, uh, but but I'm glad to hear that you know, for the most part, that that hasn't been the case for you and. Hopefully it continues to get better. Yeah, I mean, if it has been, you know, something like that, I just try not to to notice it. I mean, Mm -hmm. or I haven't noticed it, I guess. And my my focus on the game, not not someone, you know, thinking I don't know what I'm talking about because I'm a woman. (laughs) Right, for sure. Yeah. 
How do you uh, prepare your teams for upcoming games? What what does your scouting look like? Do you hand out PDFs? Do you do stuff on Huddle? What does that all look like? Yeah, so we uh, we usually have Huddle. Um, I actually need to call that guy back because he said we can do it for this season and next season. I'm like, all right, well, sounds like a good deal. Um, But, we, yeah, we definitely use Huddle, um, do a lot of trading with, with other coaches throughout the state. Um, we have our kids watch, you know, game film of, of the other team, um, watch game film of ourselves. It's always nice to kind of see yourselves and be like, hey, you know, you know this situation, do this instead of what you did here. Um, and then we get, you know, we, we write up a little scouting report, get some of their quick hitters, out-of-bounds plays. I can't stand being beat on out-of-bounds plays, but somehow it, it happens. <laughs> so it's like, you know it's coming. <laughs> um so we just try to prepare that way, you know, who their leading scorers are, who can hit a three, um, you know, all those kind of kind of things. Yeah. How much time do you spend? Is it mostly the day before a game, or will you spend the two days in preparation talking about the other team? Depends on who we're playing. So if it's okay. someone that I know that we have, like, a super good matchup with, you know, I'll touch on it on the two days before and that that day before we spend a good, you know, 45 minutes to an hour on, you know, what we, what we expect to see and, um, you know, kind of our game plan for that team. Right. Yeah. I'm curious too, what do you, how do you organize your film sessions? Cause I think film sessions with high school kids, uh, can be really frustrating sometimes, right? In that they're always <laughs> concerned about, you know, oh, look how cool this was or, uh, yeah. Hey, you see that kid in the stand, you know, and as the coach, you're like, that's not what we're watching right now. You know, we're watching right. the fact that you can't rotate on defense. So I'm curious as to how do you, <laughs> how do you get that focus, uh, and buy-in in, in your film sessions? Yeah. So I make it super short. I mean, 10 to 15 minutes. Um, and then we get down to practice. So I always do it before practice. So it's kind of like get our mindsets right, getting us prepared for what we're about to do. Um, you know, I, I'll watch the – if it's an opposing team, you know, I'll watch them – I'll watch it the day before, and I'll have my assistants watch it as well and be like, hey, let's look for this. And then I'll do, like, the minute markers and just go to those points and say, like, hey, this is what we're going to practice on. Um, if it's us, I'll do the same thing where I'll kind of pinpoint some stuff of, you know, we need to work on this. Do you see how we're doing this? And this is how we're going to change it kind of thing. So we prepare beforehand kind of what we want to talk about because I know the attention span of a high schooler is like, what, seven seconds now? Um, so I try to make sure that we're we're quick, concise, and then get up to the court. Yeah. And getting shorter, it feels like, sometimes. Yes, yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. I'll ask about, you know, analytics have become a, a big part of the game. Uh, yeah. I'm curious, you know, how do you use stats and analytics to inform your decisions and, and provide feedback to your team? Yeah, um, so we, I mean, I just like to keep it super simple. Um, you know, we look at shooting percentage from the field, uh, you know, free throw shooting percentages. Um, huddle is great. I mean, they can really just break it down to, like, the tiniest little details, like a right-handed lay-in with pressure, you know, that kind of thing, which is great. Um, but I don't think it's super necessary for a high school player. Um, you know, like in college, they really look at, or at least we did look at the assist to turnover ratio. Um, 
I don't want to focus on that at the high school level. I think if I showed that to some kids, they'd probably quit because of how bad it is. Um, so we really just focus on, you know, uh, shooting percentage, ours and the opposing team, um, you know, I think, and, and how many assists or turnovers they're getting because that's always been a trouble, trouble with us is taking care of the basketball, especially in the, in the middle of the court, which is the worst place to turn over. <laughs> Do you have set goals that you have for each game uh, that, like, post-game you'll look or after the huddle breakdown's complete and you'll look to see if you've met those goals? Or is it more of like a yeah. Okay. Um, Sometimes. I mean, sometimes if it's a certain team we're playing, it's probably not going to be the same every game, um, you know, depending on who we're playing. One thing that I really want to do a better job of is seeing our second-chance points. Um, you know, some teams we played against, the other team got a bunch of offensive rebounds, and, you know, I just want to see how many of those turn into to points. And that's always been a big thing for me, just making sure we're blocking out so we don't give them a, a second chance. So in-game, I think that's what I focus on, you know, like mm-hmm. what's it like at halftime, what's it like at the end of the game. Um, and then, you know, just making sure we don't turn the ball over too often. Right. Or at all would be great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that'd be great. Um, do you sit down and talk with your kids about their stats at all, like one-on-one, or do you try to keep it focused on your overall team stats? Um, sometimes if, you know, it depends on who it is. So like Natalie Willoughby last year, you know, with her, she's scoring half of her points, you know, so, um, but her free throws you know, sometimes weren't the greatest. So we would, you know, focus on that kind of stuff. And say, hey, your your shooting percentage is at like 54 right now. we got to make sure we get that up. Um, so let's practice our free throws, that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. But I don't, you know, sit them down and kind of go through every little thing with them because I think sometimes um, I'll get that glazed over look, <laughs> especially <laughs> some of our younger kids where I'm showing them all these numbers. They're like, I don't even know what this means. And then I'm looking at them like, you don't know what this means, so why are we talking about it? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so if it's something that really stands out, I'll talk to them about it. But if not, I just try to do an overall overall stat look at the team. Right. I know you spend a lot of time um, in the off season. Obviously, you know you're in with your youth program uh, and developing mm-hmm. skills. And I know your you know kind of sophomore class. I think is your uh, kind of your up and coming. Uh, talented yeah. class. Um, so I'm kind of curious, like, how do you, what do you do within your skill development in your program? What does is, what is that look like from maybe the time they join the program as, let's say, a sixth grader to mm-hmm. when they're in high school? Yeah, I mean, we try to, of course, work on ball handling. Um, you know, when I was in high school, I was told, don't dribble. <laughs> so I think that <laughs> I I don't really want kids to have that fear of every time I touch the ball, I'm not allowed to dribble. Of course, when we get to a game situation, you know, get it to your point guard or a guard or something. But um, I definitely want to, in the off season, get those kids with the ball in their hand, do some ball handling, and get lots and lots and lots of shots up. Um, and you, of course, know this. The game has really moved towards, you know, you're either shooting a three or shooting a lay-in. Um, mm-hmm. So we, we do lots and lots of lay-ins. Um, we've been using the shooting machine lately. Uh, shoot lots and lots of threes, and then, you know, as a part of our play, coming off that screen and doing that little jumper, you know, right inside the elbow. Um, so mm-hmm. we practice a lot of those shots, but I really, really 
make sure that our kids can make right and left-handed lands because I think it's mm. it's important. And uh, kids coming in, you know, at the seventh, eighth grade level, I really try to tell those coaches, like, they need to be able to make a lane with their left hand. Mm-hmm. So that's I put a big emphasis on that. I know it seems super simple, but it's just – it's so frustrating when the kids are going – so hard and they shoot it and it goes off the backward hard and they go up with their right hand and they get swatted and it's just like use your left (laughs) (laughs) for sure for sure what does your skill development look like within the high school season or the high school year um you know a few years ago 5a 6a has that new practice limitation rule how do you Mm -hmm. kind of use that to help with your skill development uh i mean off season, we, I mean, this season has been like the ultimate off season, right? Because <laughs> we haven't haven't had any any games or season. Um, so you know, we've been going two days a week, and that's usually what we do in the off season. You know, switch off with the boys with whatever they're doing. We'll go opposite, um, go for an hour and a half to two hours. Um, you know, just just trying to get lots of shots up, um, and then working on form, their actual form. You know, I have a a girl actually. She's a freshman beautiful shot but it looks a little odd like when it's coming mm-hmm. off but if it's going in do I change it you know that's always kind of the dilemma um so you know we just really focus on on shooting a lot and uh if we can do some defense we'll do it but I honestly haven't been able to do any defensive drills um until last Monday so which is brutal mm-hmm. but <laughs> we're getting back to yeah. it um yeah and also trying to keep them kind of conditioned um, I think including weights into some sort of off-season program is great. Um, I just really haven't had the opportunity to have a consistent group. Um, so hope, hopefully this summer we can start to get into that a little bit more too. Yeah. How much time do you spend in season on skill development? Do you carve out like 15 minutes in your practice plan? Um, or is it kind of just, hey, we didn't dribble the ball really well yesterday, so we're going to work on ball handling tomorrow? Yeah, a little little bit of both. So um, at the beginning of our practice, um, we'll do, we'll do our positions or skill work. I mean, kind of go hand in hand there. Um, so we'll focus on that kind of stuff. And whatever we notice that we're not doing well in games, I'll try to put that into practice. Um, you know, now that we're we're playing Sheldon this year, I definitely want to try to throw in some how to get out of traps in the full court. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So we have a couple drills where we can can utilize that. Um, you know, just being able to retreat and see what you're doing while they're tracking like crazy. Um, right. But, yeah, we try to focus on it for at least 10 minutes a day. Okay. Probably a good – probably a good rule of thumb there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm curious, you know, I think one of the, the most eye-opening things when you become a head coach is kind of all the things that you have to do um, that – as an assistant coach, you don't realize. Uh, I'm curious mm-hmm. as to what what were what was kind of your aha moment or your eye opening moment of like, oh, I'm not the assistant coach anymore. Um, I think the communication factor. Um, I I think being a younger coach when I was super young, I think commuting communicating with parents. I don't know why, but it was a little awkward for me. Um. Mm-hmm. So I think that just making sure everyone is on the same page uh, is super important. So I think my aha moment was like, 
oh, I can't tell a freshman something and expect them to know what to do. <laughs> um, so I think making sure to really communicate with, with everyone in the program, that's parents, players, you know, brother, sister, whoever is a big influence on that kid is to, you know, just make sure everyone knows what's going on and, and no one no one's feeling left out. Yeah. How do you uh... – how do you deal with parents? You know, that's always kind of one of the harder things in our profession is um, mm-hmm. we are focused on the team's success and parents are oftentimes only worried about their, their kids' success. So how do right. you kind of handle those situations with, with parents? Yeah, so we, I mean, we have a pretty, pretty good, our program is great. Our parents are great. There are always a couple that, you know, either disagree with you or, you know, don't like the way you're doing things, of course. Uh, but we have a really good plan set in place where if there's an issue with a coach, the player talks to the coach first. If it's not resolved, then the parent and the player talk to the coach. And if then it's not resolved, the athletic director gets involved with everyone involved in that meeting. And then if it doesn't get resolved, then we go to, like, principal, you know, district kind of stuff. So it's usually resolved with the player and the coach or the parent player and the coach. Um, and I just try to be as honest as possible um, you know, a lot of times it's happening because the kid's not getting the playing time that the parent thinks they deserve. And I think just having that honest conversation of, you know, this is where they're at in the program. This is what they need to work on. You know, yes, there is someone that's kind of ahead of them on the depth chart. Um, and hopefully they, they take it well. And if they don't, then they don't, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's it's just making sure to over-communicate on things that they need to work on in order to get more playing time. And I do like to point out, and I know people, you know, some people hear this and they roll their eyes, but, you know, that that kid that's, you know, the seventh, eighth person off the bench, they're helping prepare that person that's like one or two on the depth chart during practice. Um, so, you know, what, what your kid did to help prepare this kid for the game, you know, I think it's tough for parents to see and tough for the kids to see, but, you know, we're, we're a team sport. I think it's important to see it from every every angle. Right. And getting kids to buy into that role, right, which is something. Exactly. Awesome. Yep. And I really – and I, I've made the mistake in the past where, you know, I put a kid on varsity and knowing they're not going to get much playing time. And I didn't communicate to that kid, like, hey, you're probably not going to see the court that much this year. Um, we really love having you on the team, but your game minutes are going to be low. Um, I really try to communicate that now just because I think it's important to have that expectation early as opposed to, you know, we're five games in, the kid comes in crying, why am I not playing? And I'm like, this is kind of on me. I should have told you, you know, what, what your role was coming in. Right. You mentioned you guys have been going twice a week. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my, my kind of next question is how have you been handling the pandemic with your team? Uh, have you been doing workouts? If not, how have you been connecting with kids? Uh, what does that kind of look like? Yeah, so um, early, early on, so like last spring, summer, I actually did some workouts over Zoom <laughs> with my mm. kids. So I, I had like a little like slab of cement in my backyard, and we just did ball handling and agility, um, just really simple stuff. So you know, I would show them what to do, and sometimes I'd have like eight or ten kids. Other times I'd have like two kids. So I was just trying to be like, I am here to help you guys get some some sort of workout in. 
this week, um, you know, and just ask them, like, how are you doing? What's going on? So this was at the end of last school year, so it must have been, like, May, June. Um, so I think, you know, it was nice to see them because at that point we were all in lockdown. Um, but, you know, I tried to keep those going over the summer. Um, and then once fall hit, you know, a bunch of crazy rules were going on. Uh, but Bethel was able to start practicing, I think, in September. Um, so from that point, we were going two days a week. You know, it was mask on, socially distanced, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then we hit, I think it was like November, maybe it was. Yeah. I can't really remember. Uh, then we hit it, you know, kids can't be in the gym anymore. So we started doing some outdoor workouts with masks on. Mm-hmm. It was freezing, and I'm like, I did not sign up for an outdoor sport. This is dumb. (laughs) But I wanted to, you know, try to get the kids out. We actually had, like, you know, 11 kids out there sometimes. So it was nice that they actually wanted wanted to do something, wanted to get out, wanted to be active. Um, But now, you know, we're in the battle with with the other sports because everything's so condensed. So I've been having about six kids in the gym, gym lately, but... You know, we go we go twice a week, and we've been doing that for I don't know, I guess a year. Yeah. Yeah. How are you? I guess kind of modifying or adapting what you would typically do to prepare for this shortened season. Yeah. So um, the kids that have been coming consistently, I think, are going to be pretty well prepared for season. Um, you know, it's been a little tougher because you know there's no rule book for what to do when you're in a pandemic as a coach um so I think conditioning is going to be tough because I just feel so bad making them do sprints and masks but I Mm -hmm. you know I have to keep doing it because that's what they're going to do in a game um Mm -hmm. but I think that I'm really going to focus on getting shots up as many shots up as I can during this first week and then really hammering in the, the few plays that we're going to run um, in that first week because, we, you know, May 10th is our first day of practice, and I believe May 18th is our first game. So mm-hmm. it's super condensed, and there's the overlap of, you know, I think half of my program is playing softball. So there's, they're playing games the week of May 10th, and then they play a game for basketball the next week. So it's just so – it's going to be a little tough to watch sometimes I think um but I think once we get into the flow of season it'll be it'll be a little bit easier but um you know really hammering in the plays trying to get our off-season kids getting some shots up and then just working on that conditioning sure all right we're going to take another break when we return coach Belando will try to beat the shot clock here on the Oregon (laughs) basketball coaches podcast Stay up to date with the Oregon Basketball Coaches Association on social media at facebook.com slash OregonBCA or on Twitter at ORHoopCoaches. Welcome back to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. We're talking with Danielle Belando, girls basketball coach at Willamette High School. Uh, Coach, for my next set of questions, I'm going to put you up against the shot clock. Uh, I'm going to put 35 seconds on a timer and ask you some rapid-fire questions that should have one- to two-word answers. And uh, we're going to see how many questions we can get through in 35 seconds. Sound good? Sounds good. 
All right, 35 seconds on the timer. We are starting now. Do you think Oregon High School basketball should have a shot clock? Yes. Should it be implemented in the sub-varsity level? Mm, uh, yeah, yeah. If you're up three points with less than 10 seconds, do you foul? Mm, yeah, yes. What's your favorite way to guard on-ball screens? Uh, get over the top. What's your favorite sports movie? Ooh, that's a tough one. Ooh, what a tough question. Uh, because I'm nervous, remember the Titans. <laughs> What's one word officials would use to describe you? Uh, reasonable. There you go. Time. Well done. Well done. <laughs> reasonable. That's nice. That's good. Yeah. That's yeah. good. Well done. Well done. Uh, so it's kind of a fun little segment that we get to do. Um, some hot topic issues around you know, basketball, but just getting some quick answers there. Uh, but I do want to have you elaborate a little bit on, on the shot clock because it is something that's uh, been a hot topic both in our state and across the country. Right. Uh, you mentioned you were in favor of the shot clock. Can you elaborate on, on why? Um, I think it makes – obviously, the strategy to slowing down the game uh, because we're able to. Um, I think in years past I've done that um, – a little bit more than I'd like to admit. Um, but I think that speeding up the game a little bit, especially for those kids that are moving on to, to play in college, um, it helps them prepare for that more so the game is faster. Um, so I think I think it's good to speed up the game and, you know, get our kids moving a little bit more too. Yeah. Now, I'm sorry, Coach, I'm going to have to point out, this just small fact. I knew but, it was know. coming. I know. Yeah, I, I and I know it wasn't you, <laughs> Coach. I, it wasn't you. You were not the head coach at the time. But no. <laughs> I, it is. It is the question. You know, coaches that yeah. are listening, remember that. You know, what was it, 2014 or something? Yeah. That Willamette High School held the ball um, in the state title game. Um, I was. That was Coach Brothers at the time. Uh, coach Brothers yep. at the time. And uh, were you on staff at that time as well? No, I was a uh, I was Stone College. You were not yet. Okay, Stone College. Okay, so, uh, but I just want, well, I want to I was, know that. No, I wasn't. I wasn't part of it yet. I was still. I was still okay. up in Monmouth. <laughs> okay, perfect. All right, good. But I just want. I want to point that out. This is not the coach that held the ball in the state title game. Um, was not me. So it's not. It's not ironic that she had changed her mind now. So, I just want a <laughs> quick acknowledgement of that. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what's the kind of the strangest thing that you've seen on a basketball court or, or in a gymnasium? You know, it's so funny. Um, I, I read this question cause, uh, you sent me a couple of these beforehand and I wanted to make sure that I had a good answer. Um, and the answer to that is, sorry to, you know, take the veil away, but, um, the answer is a taxidermy polar bear. Oh, taxidermy <laughs> polar bear. So okay. in our conference in college, uh, we played the Alaska schools. In the GNAC, you play uh, Alaska Anchorage and Alaska Fairbanks. In Alaska Fairbanks, uh, in the little – right before you enter into the gym, they have a – they're the Nanook, and that's a polar bear. So they have a taxidermy polar bear in their little, mm. little lobby part. There you I go. That was pretty strange. That is a little strange. Yeah. Only in Alaska. <laughs> but they're way up Only there. Alaska. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
I would think maybe they would rather put it like in the visiting locker room, you know, with like an aggressive look on it. Oh yeah, and that could be totally that could good, be an intimidation yeah. factor. Yeah. 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 I mean, go. being negative twenty five degrees is already enough, so. That's <laughs> enough of an intimidation. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. Definitely. Um, do you have any special situations that you practice often in, in practice where they're preparing for, you know, playoffs or, or even regular season games? Uh, yeah, I mean, we always do the, you know, a minute left in the game, down by three type of stuff where, you know, we'll have, we'll have different sections where we have, we call them our situationals and we just, you know, come up with different scenarios of what's going on and, you know, call a timeout or you have one timeout left or something like that, so. We definitely throw it into practice every now and then to make sure that us as coaches are quick on our feet and then, uh, you know, our, our kids can can do well in, in uh, high-risk situations like that, high-pressure. High yeah. Is there ones that you practice a lot? I mean, you know, down three with a minute, but are there, like, go-to ones that, that you practice often, or do you guys just make it up before the, the practice that day? Uh, we just kind of make it up before the practice that day. Um, you know, or if we had that situation that happened like a game before, you know, what mm-hmm. do we do? Or like, what do we change from what we did in the game type of thing? Right. So I don't have like that, you know, this is what we do, but we right. try to change it up every now and then. Yeah. How do you go about selecting your team captains? Um, for, uh, last couple of years, I, I usually default to the seniors. Um, just because the seniors I've had the last few years, you know, I've known them since they were in fifth grade. So I know that they've definitely bought into the program. They've bought into, you know, me and kind of like what, what we, what we want as coaches. And, um, you know, they try to echo that to the kids. Um, but I think with this younger crew I have coming up, you know, mostly sophomores and then we have a pretty, pretty good freshman class coming in. Um, you know, I think it's good as coaches pick one and then the kids pick another one. I think that's probably the route route I'll go with the next few years. Do you give your captains any specific responsibilities? Hmm. Um, you know, just generic being leaders of the team, um, making sure our kids are prepared. You know, it's always the making sure you know, we're wearing all of our team gear on away games or making sure we're all dressed up for home games. I know it's silly little things like that, but I think there's kind of a, a pride factor or you're a part of a team type of thing when, you know, your seniors coming to a fresh and just being like, hey, remember, we have to dress up. And I think it's nice to, you know, have those older kids reach out to the younger kids. Um, I kind of put that on them to make sure that everyone's feeling included and, you know, we're, we're a team, so help everyone make them feel like they're a part of the team. Do you ever practice with all three programs at once? Uh, Like a freshman JV and varsity? Right, yeah. Um, So we do – we usually practice varsity and JV together, um, and then JV2 will practice in the other gym. Um, You know, there are some, some practices where we just have varsity in there with a couple of the JV kids up and then the JV will go over JV two. Um, but it's mostly JV and varsity in, in the big gym and then JV two is over in the small gym. Right. Do you have a favorite team bonding activity that you like to do? Hmm. Well, we, uh, for the past few years, we didn't go last year, obviously, but we go up to USBA, 
um, and just rent it out for a weekend. Um, you know, put the kids in the cabin. Coaches are in like one of those house things or whatever. Um, and then we just have, you know, a bunch of basketball and then do a lot of team bonding type of stuff. Uh, one fun thing I do on that trip though is two fun things. I test my cooking skills and I make all the food for the kids. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and then we always have like a surprise water balloon fight. <laughs> They know it's coming, mm. but we, we just fill up a bunch of water balloons, and then we just, you know, have a huge water balloon fight. And um, last year, they dumped the excess water from, like, a cooler onto one of my assistant coaches. So it's just fun to do non-basketball team bonding stuff, and I think that's really where, you know, they create that bond off the court, and then on the court, you know, it's just a lot stronger. Yeah. Yeah. How about a favorite favorite drill? What's your favorite drill to run in practice? What's my favorite drill to run in practice? That's a good one. Um, uh, I really like the two-on-one, three-on-two, um, mm-hmm. just because, you know, the defense is obviously at the disadvantage. But um, I think it's fun to see the girls get excited for each other. And, you know, I think three-on-two is super important in the game of basketball, especially if you're trying to be a – transition-focused type team. So I think that one, because it's fast-paced and, and it's competitive. Yeah, so you start in a two-on-one situation and then on yeah. the make or miss, get it out and go through on two the other way. Yep, and then the people that were on the two-on-one going down, then they're on defense on the three-on-two. Right. Yeah. 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 I think it's a reverse or backwards from how I've – Seen it? In the, you, oh, you really? Start three on two, yeah. Or in, in what I've done or have seen in the past, you usually start yeah. three on two and then go two on oh, okay. one back. But I actually like yeah. the idea of actually inverting it your way, yeah. Um, oh, because okay. then you already yeah. know you don't have to worry about shooter passer. That's usually that's like right. You're the passer and shooter. You're on defense. Yeah. Um, you okay. just already know your team's already yeah. set. So makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Great. Well, I think that's all I have for you today, Coach. I want to thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. This has been awesome. If you have any follow-up questions or want to get a hold of Coach Belando, you can find her contact information in the episode description. We hope you'll join us next time here on the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Until then, coach them up. Thank you for listening to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Is there a coach you'd like to hear from or a topic you'd like to hear us discuss? You can write us a message on the Anchor website or send us an email at OregonBasketballCoaches at gmail.com. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Spotify.